hello everyone and welcome to another episode of la charla with april and jason i'm jason oh, um forgive us we might be a little rusty it's been a minute since we've been here but you know i don't want to say we're back but but we're back know, baby but we're back. <laughs> um so we have a really good exciting episode today um it's a little bit of a a tough subject to talk about because anything that involves people getting hurt, getting killed is very hard. So before we introduce our guest and talk about what the subject is, um, just a small trigger warning to any person who may be sensitive, any person who's maybe not ready to listen to this, we will be talking about um, like physical assault and murder. Unfortunately, you know, that's what it's come to and so just a trigger warning so if you're not ready this is when you should maybe go and choose another episode to listen to we have um two guests who are going to introduce themselves in shortly um so jason go ahead and introduce yourself jason and tell us where you're from and what you're right you're right it has been a while but um i am one half of this podcast the pod um, that i call um but i'm jason i am 26 and i live in charlotte north carolina um i'm a student at unc charlotte with a major in psychology and a minor in sociology um and but i am filipino um my dad was actually born in the philippines and he came here when he was around five or six um so my asian american heritage slash culture is pretty big to me and um as it relates to you know what we're gonna be talking about today it's gonna be probably harder than I think it will be to talk about um as it usually is um but you know it's something that needs to be talked about for sure hi uh, my name is Anna um I'm Vietnamese my pronouns are she her hers uh, I'm also the president of the Vietnamese Student Association at UNC Charlotte Hi, I'm Taylor. Um, my pronouns are also she, her, hers. Um, I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I am the vice president for the Vietnamese Student Association at um, UNC Charlotte as well. Well, this is exciting. Um, everybody knows me. I am April, and my pronouns are also she, her, and hers. Um, but I am not Asian, but obviously some of my best friends are, and so that's why it was very important for us to include this in the podcast because um, unfortunately in the last few weeks there's been a lot of hate directed toward the Asian American and the Asian community and so it's gotten out of hand and it's something that for a long time it had been happening but just now people are starting to realize it because it's become a lot more violent and it's horrible it's like you had women who lost their lives who were at work who had nothing to do with anything and they lost their lives and it's horrible and you've had people who have been assaulted on the street just because they're asian and you have people blaming them for coronavirus who has nothing to do with them and it's horrible because honestly i never imagined that we would make it to this point to where we would be directing our hate toward a community because of something that they have nothing to do with and me being best friends with Jason, who's Asian, like there's a point in time when I began to see this where like I I promised to God, like I would pray that he would be safe because it's like, it's a fear that started settling in. Like, what if this happens to Jason? 
that's why it's just so important to be able to educate everybody on this subject. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, you know, as when things happen like this, it's sometimes hard to, I guess, connect on it because it's not like super personal, um, you know, with like the BLM movement. Of course, you know, I had a voice in that and I felt that I had an opinion about it. But, you know, I may have friends who are who are, are black or African-American. But when it comes to like what we're talking about today, you know, it kind of hits home because, you know, being an Asian-American and in that community, it's it becomes a little more personal because, um, you know, um, you know, I have friends who are obviously Asian, who are Filipino, a lot of my family, you know, and it could have happened anywhere. And, you know, not diving too much into, you know, like the actual story. Um, but, you know, it's kind of just hard to find words for it, honestly. Um, uh, and if you didn't know, I actually have, aside from my personal Instagram, I actually have another Instagram um, for this hobby that I collect. Um, they're called Funko Pops. But um, I was actually talking to someone in that, on that account who is Asian, um, and she was kind of just like confused as to why it was happening because she was posting it on it so publicly on her story. You know, I reached out to her and I was like, you know, I don't really know how to feel about this either. And, but I think it's important that your voice is heard, you know, um, you're in the community and it affects you and speak on it because people may not even know that it happened regardless of, you know, how public it is in the news. There could be people who just have no idea that it even happened still. So it's important to have these conversations just to allow people to be aware of what's happening, you know, in the cities that they live in and in this nation as a whole. In the episode where we had Dulce on, where we talked about Mariana, I remember Jason kind of sat back and I think that's kind of what I'm going to do because I don't, I can't comment on it. I'm not Asian. Have I had, you know, have people been racist toward me? Yeah, all my life. Um, I will ask questions to all three of you. If you don't feel comfortable with it, you can just say, um, you know, I'm really not there yet and that's fine. Um, and I'll just kind of be soaking it in because I do want to educate myself. I want to learn. I want to, I want to hear you and I want to be able to understand you. So um, my first question, any three of you can answer it, but have you ever encountered any type of xenophobia in your lifetime? Any personal examples you would like to share or experiences? Um, racism towards like me personally have, has always been a thing like throughout my whole life, um, similar to um, you, April, because even in elementary school, you know, kids would always, you know, pull their eyes back and, you know, say ching chong, blah, blah. And I would never really know how to react because I mean, I kind of just like laugh, but like, I just didn't know like how to process it. And I just, that's how I've always thought about like racism towards me directly. I've never really like knew how to react. I never really got angry about it. I just kind of like laughed, like laughed along and kind of just like let it go. Cause like, I just, I never really took it personally. Um, even like, even in elementary school again, like lunchbox, like I know, I don't know if you guys have heard of like the lunchbox moment, but like there's been times when my mom has made food for me and you know people would be like oh what is that smell or what is that or like they they think it's weird or odd or you know they make fun of you for it and it's just like well like we're all kids and you know we just don't know how to process it but then that continues on into adulthood I don't know if you can relate I mean I'm sure you can yeah. relate too so I could I could definitely agree with Taylor so I'm gonna piggyback off of um her uh experience um so I'm sure a lot of people share the similar experience but um again with 
like things happening, um, you know, like with lunch, obviously, um, because like we're Vietnamese, my mom's gonna be cooking Vietnamese dishes at home. And that's what, you know, like I would be bringing to school. Um, Cause obviously if there's home cooked meals, there's no purpose in me bringing like a Lunchables or anything. But um, I like, I can understand um, when like other people are the other students, especially at that young age, when, you know, you're, you're confronted with something that's unfamiliar. Like, oh, like if I'm bringing a sandwich, why is she bringing like, you know, like rice um, and like meats and stuff like that. Um, but I, I agree with Taylor, like, because we're so young, I don't think we knew how to really react or how to um, respond to that. So we just kind of downplay it or laugh about it a little bit. But I do remember like the few times I had like came home from school and I like, would ask my parents um, or like would tell them like, oh, kids from school thought it was like weird or like thought that, you know, lunch, my lunch today was like smelly and stuff. Um, she would just tell me like, oh, don't worry about them. Like, you know, like don't say anything, like it's fine. So. But obviously like that becomes an issue later on. Um, since then we, we kind of are um, kind of like, I don't know, led to believe that we shouldn't be like speaking up or like shouldn't say anything or should just kind of like suppress that and like move on from it. But yeah, I mean, even with that, like I, I think I remember telling my mom like, oh, I don't want this anymore. Like I wanna have like a Lunchables or like a sandwich or whatever. Like I. I, yeah. I verbally told her that because I felt uncomfortable when people would comment on what I was bringing to school, even though it was normal at home, you know, I obviously it was fine, but then like yeah. when you get to school, you're just like, oh, like, I don't want to be embarrassed. Like, I don't want to yeah. be made fun of or whatever. It's like a subconscious thing that I kind of like ingrained in my head. And like, I think with that, like, it kind of like, I, I kind of went on to like, I mean, I did embrace my culture, but not openly But yeah, when you were school. younger. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I, when I was younger too, for some reason, I felt really shameful yeah, for about sure. um, like being Asian and being Vietnamese to the point where like, I would not even speak to my parents in like grocery stores if I saw like my classmates or like people from school in like the same grocery aisle. Like, I just would not respond to like my parents. Like they'll be asking like, oh, do you want like these chips or something like that in Vietnamese? And I would just be like, you know, like you're just staying there because I didn't mm -hmm. want them to like hear me speak Vietnamese and then just be another thing for them to like, you know, poke fun at mm -hmm. um, the next day at school. Yeah, I think I really suppressed my like identity mm -hmm. back, like not in high school, but maybe like younger years, like middle school, yeah. kind of just, just because I felt like I was always like, like the sore thumb, like I never yeah. fit in, in like a specific group and I wanted to fit in, but like it was impossible. I felt like it was impossible for me to fit unless, just because I was were, Asian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I wasn't like Americanized, I guess. So you would have felt, felt forced to like assimilate so that you yeah. can. I think that it was the lack of, you know, the American culture teaching their children, like this child might be different from you. And it's because they're, they come from a different background. Do you think if perhaps like us whenever we have children in the future if we raise our kids to, like letting them know like oh well you know taylor is asian and april's hispanic they might not look like you they're still human they might have different cultures they might speak another di like a different language and that's okay do you think that if we are to change that perhaps our children won't have to suppress their identities later on do you for sure i think that it, it all comes down to like ignorance, you know, kids were young, we don't know, like, we don't know the map, you know, we don't know the world, we're so young, it's up to our parents and our teachers to teach us those things, and while in school they do teach us about geography, they don't necessarily teach us about the cultural differences that we have between different countries in America, and I also think that parents don't 
they don't they don't show their kids how to be a good person that's all it is just being a good person to other people you know there could be times where you know somebody hears their parents saying something about you know a certain race or a certain person and then of course the child is gonna soak that in because they're sponges you know they they only do what they're taught so well like while the parent might not be directly teaching this this kid about like cultural differences they could see how their parents react towards other cultures and take that as oh okay well if my mom's doing this or talking about somebody like this then that's okay and that's normal and i think that's where it starts with us like you said like we all just need to lead by example. Kids learn by looking at us and they look up to us literally, you know? So with us, we should, you know, obviously we all treat people the same. We all, you know, we're all human, like you said. So that's where it starts just to show your kids that you are a good person and then that will translate. And then also, you know, teaching them, oh, like, well, like you said, April's Hispanic, she eats this, 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 they do this for whatever. And, you know, you do this because you're Asian, you're Vietnamese, you do this for certain things. You know, there's differences, but we can learn to accept it and understand that there's differences. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with Taylor um, because, you know, as like humans, of course there's like a, a few things are, that are like innate behaviors that are you're just born knowing to like what to do. Um, but racism obviously is not something that's innate. Like you just are not born inherently racist. Like you don't, you don't know that, you don't understand that concept. That's just definitely something that you learn um, from what you see or what you hear. Um, and so my, my look, my outlook on that is I feel like, um, when I was younger in elementary school, they loved using the melting pot analogy when talking about the United States. And the issue I have with that is it, it leads like our youth to believe that, um, we are the same. And whenever I think of like that melting pot, I think about how it, forces people to have this ideology that we're supposed to assimilate to one thing where it should be more of like you know like a salad like there's there's individual components their their own component like this is a tomato this is a cucumber this is lettuce but they still make up one thing mm -hmm. um but you don't lose who you are you don't lose your culture you don't lose your ethnicity you don't lose this background in becoming part of something that's whole mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like I like that. I like that melting part pot part you mentioned at the end there. And um yeah, I just just to share a little background into, you know, just being Filipino and everything that comes with that as well. Um <clears throat> for me, it's kind of like I'm I'm 26 now, but it actually didn't even hit me until like 5 minutes ago, but I feel like a lot of the experience that happened when I was a, a child just growing up trying to navigate, you know, my culture or my nationality, my race. Um, I feel like it affected me so much when I was a kid to where growing up, going through teenagers in high school, it kind of pushed me into the space of not wanting my Filipino culture to where I would never fully embrace like the, the dialects, the food, the culture, regardless of like how many Filipino picnics I went to as a child with like my family to where I would see other Filipinos. It was kind of like, I wanted to be accepted and seen um, just as Jason instead of, you know, or instead of just like the Asian that they people saw in school. Um, and you know, like those stereotypes of, you know, that you mentioned earlier with like the eyes and just like, I know from one that I was always growing up with was like being good in school and like being good at math. 
and I would always recall experiences in in like middle school when I first moved from North Carolina to Memphis. Um, I remember on the first day or like the first week of school, there was a time where um, I was like asked, um, like, how good are you at math? And I'm just like, I mean, I'm okay. You know, I do do my best. And you're like, well, you're Asian, so you should be good at it, right? And like experiences like that have kind of molded me now as I'm older and can make conscious decisions to where like it kind of affected me so much on a younger level to where now that I'm older, it kind of pushed me away from embracing like the Filipino culture as a whole. Um, so I think it definitely affects you like when you're younger and it's hard to realize it until you get to an age to where you can think about these experiences that you've had with like people making fun of you because you're Asian or and I think a lot of people, um, when they think of Asian, they think of like Chinese or Japanese, but there's so many different cultures under that umbrella. And like, I've gotten so numb to like correcting people on that when they're like, what are you? Are you Chinese? Are you Japanese? Are you Hawaiian? Are you Korean? Are you Thai? And like, I've heard it all. And I've become so numb to like correcting people that I'm just like, you know, they'll get to it eventually, you know, Filipino, it's, it's on the list somewhere. So they'll, they'll circle it around somehow. And like, it's to the point where I just don't even correct people anymore. And that's just something that, you know, I have to work on myself is just like, if I don't correct people, how are they going to know that, you know, this is how it should be done or this is how it should be addressed. Um, I will say that like being part of the Hispanic community and I, I saw it, I witnessed it very, like a few weeks ago, um, I my boyfriend lives in Mexico and, and I was with him and we, we went on this tour that our hotel offered to us and there was a Asian man on the tour. And I, I, I didn't remember that I had grown up listening to this until I heard it five, six, seven years later. He was Asian and he only spoke English. And, you know, I start me and him, me and my boyfriend started talking to him in English and he was like, oh, well, I'm Korean. And so I said, oh, that's really cool. And then in Spanish, um, every time they would refer to him and he told them, he told them in like in a little bit of Spanish, he's like, oh, well, I'm just like Korea, like I'm from Korea. And they understood him and they would refer to him as El Chino. Oh, I va el Chino, I va el Chino. Like there goes the Chinese guy. And so there was a point where one of the, like one of the people on the little bus was like, oh, how do you say this in Chinese? He's like, but I'm not Chinese, I'm Korean. And I remember like I told the people on the bus in Spanish, I was like, he's already said he's Korean at least six times, stop calling him Chinese. And so at, until I rem like I had that encounter as an adult, um, I remember growing up when Jason mentioned that whole Chinese and Japanese thing in my own family, people would always refer to Asians as just Chinese. And it's horrible because I mean, like growing up, people only referred to Hispanics as Mexicans. And I never came to the conclusion that maybe Asians feel the same way that I feel when somebody assumes that I'm just Mexican. I'm not just Mexican, like I'm, I'm half Colombian. And that until Jason said that, I started to like play back in my mind that growing up, my own family was like, oh, oh, it's cause he's Chinese. Like, and this could be somebody who maybe wasn't even Asian, could be an Islander who just had maybe, he looked Asian, but he wasn't Asian. And it could be somebody who was Filipino or, or Vietnamese and we just assumed that they were Chinese and so I feel like although Hispanic people shouldn't be racist toward the Asian community because they are also minorities 
there is a lot of racism toward the Asian community because of ignorance, because of what Taylor mentioned, because if you, if, you know, when somebody says to somebody, oh, well, you're just a Mexican, we immediately feel offended because we're not just Mexicans, right? And so I feel like if, from talking from the Hispanic community side, you know, I feel like if we were more educated on that, you know, remind yourself that they're not just from China. There's Asians from different parts of the, like different parts of Asia. And there's so many other countries in Asia. It's horrible. And I literally, I, well, as soon as Jason said that I, it sparked, like it turned a light bulb in my head. And I'm like, I, I mean, I, I would have never spoken up if I wouldn't have had Asian friends, you know, I wouldn't have said anything in Spanish. Like, and I, and I could tell that like the guy who was on the tour, his name was Vincent. He was so uncomfortable with people constantly calling him Chinese because he's like, I'm not from China. I'm from Korea. And it's horrible. And we're talking about people who live in 2021. Like we're talking about like this should have ended years ago and people are still facing, are still being faced with this and it's horrible. And so, and so that kind of comes where like, where my next question comes, and this is from somebody from Instagram, they said, what can I do to make the Asian community feel a lot more comfortable around me? Um, I definitely think that it has to come down to respect. So if you're curious about somebody's ethnicity, nationality, whatever it may be, I, I get the question a lot, where are you from? And I tell them, well, I'm from Charlotte. I was born and raised here 22 years of my life. I've never, you know, I've never said that I was from anywhere else, but you know, the, the deeper question is they want to know where my, my ethnicity, what my ethnicity heritage. is, my heritage. Yeah. And you know, it's like, well, I mean, if you wanted to know that, you could just straight up ask me, what is your nationality? What is your ethnicity? You know, where, um, what's your heritage? You know, it's not just, where are you from? And then I tell them that they get confused and they're like, no, but where are you really from? I'm like, well, I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. And they're like, well, no, what are you? <laughs> and then they, then they say, what are you? And then I'm just, I just don't know how to take that. Like, what do you mean? What am I? I'm a lot of things, but what do you want to know specifically? Like, you know, do you want to know if I'm nice? Do you want to know if I'm mean or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I think it's just a respect thing. If you're going to want to know where somebody is from, just ask them, what's your initially? What's your nationality? You know, it's not that hard to just be respectful. And I just think that saying, asking somebody, where are you from? Like, and knowingly saying like, oh, or knowingly thinking like, oh, I just want to know like what their ethnicity is. Just say it, you know, it, it's not going to offend us if you say, oh, what's your ethnicity? Like I ask people that all the time because I don't want to say, where are you from? Because I know that that is an ignorant question. On a different like path with that question, um, I feel like being more aware of things that you may, like your opinions that you form or the like ideology ideologies that you have um and like being aware of if you're feeding into them like microaggressions are you feeding into stereotypes like just kind of like being aware of that um I know a lot of things like a, a lot of times growing up whether it be like accomplishments that I were was able to you know accomplish or um awards or recognitions for anything regarding like academics I felt like I wasn't able to really celebrate that because someone always would always have like a comment like, oh, because you're Asian. Mm -hmm. And so like, I would just kind of get to the point where it's just like, oh, like, does that mean I can't like celebrate the success because you already expected me to, to have it just because I'm Asian? Like, why can't I just celebrate this because I earned it? Mm -hmm. Why can't I celebrate this because I accomplished it? Why, why does it have to be reduced down to my ethnicity and who I am being, you know, your 
your idea of like why I got it. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I feel like this person, whoever's asking this question is like almost willing to learn and open to it. So I think that's where it starts as well on top of, you know, respect and what they were saying, but also just like being in position to where you're not closed off to, you know, learning about those other cultures. Um, Cause it'd be easy to, you know, watch like movies or anime or listen to, you know, music that is Asian or Asian foods or cultures. And, um, but if you don't, if you don't, if you're not willing to learn about it and open to it, then, you know, that conversation is going to be hard to have. Um, Cause like, I can recall conversations where people would, you know, blatantly ask me like, what are you? And obviously there's ways to go about it. And a lot of it is just like ignorance. People just don't know how to ask it, but like something that I've started doing with like arts breakers or when I'm in a group of people who don't know, or we're just like trying to introduce ourselves, I just throw it out there, you know, a fun fact about me, I'm Filipino and kind of just bridge that gap before they even have a chance to assume that I'm this or assume that I'm that. But I think, you know, as an Asian American, we have sort of a responsibility to kind of bridge that gap. Um, and, you know, having those conversations with people because a lot of them, you know, are not open to it and they'll just assume because we haven't taken the chance to kind of you know, set them on this path of, you know, inclusivity. Um, so, but um, yeah, that's everything else I'd add. But April, do you have anything you wanted to chime in with? Cool. Um, well, I have another question for you guys. Um, has there ever been a time where you have felt othered based on how you look? So, that's a really good question. Uh, only because Taylor and I are both like we're Vietnamese, but also white. And so um, sometimes this is hard. So, okay, so like in, in a group setting where there are a lot of like white people, like Caucasian people present, it's very obvious to them that we are Asian. But whenever we're in a setting where there are a lot of Asian people, it's very evident to them that we are like, we're like white passing, like we, we don't look fully Asian. Um, and so I, that's a really hard question. It is, I mean, like I personally about. feel like that like a lot. I just feel like some, like, especially because of coronavirus, like in, in the awareness of Asian people um, have been, I guess, like enhanced, like people have become more aware of Asian people being present in the population. I definitely sometimes feel like just in like even a grocery store, like sometimes I'll feel like people are staring at me or, or just like looking at me funny. And even when I'm with my boyfriend, like my boyfriend's Mexican and although he is white passing, um, we are both people of color and we both obviously look like we don't, I guess, quote unquote belong together, you know, because a lot of people make the stereotype that Asians like to stay with Asian people. And that's another story. But I just feel like a lot of just any like random scenario in public, I just feel like people are always like looking at me funny or if I do something or cough or, you know, clear my throat or whatever, they're just like, oh well, like automatically, you know, like yeah. it's like a like a, it's like a magnet. Like I have a magnet on me. And it's like I do something out of the ordinary to them and they're just like, oh well it's her, you know? Yeah. 
where the, all of a sudden they're very, very huge people on the six feet apart. Um, right. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> like the whole distance. Yeah. Thing and just, I don't know, just in general, just even when we're in a group of our friends, like, I just feel like we're always being stared at. Like we, um, for our organization, the Vietnamese student association, we had to do a photo shoot for our e-board and we were in front of, um, was it Duke? I yeah. think it was Duke. Yeah, so it was we were in building front of on Duke. campus. Yeah, we were in front of the Duke building and then people were driving by and because there was an athletic event. And then like, it was just, it was just very odd because this one man, he decided to literally stop right in front of us, stare at us. And then we were just like, we, we just froze because we didn't know what to do. And we were all in um, traditional attire yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. So we were all in traditional Vietnamese attire. It's called uh, an ao yai, which like directly translate to like long shirt. Um, so we were all in cultural wear. We were just in front of the building so that we can get pictures done. Everyone like had masks on, um, but we were just standing there. And so I can understand like, you know, like that's just not something that um, you would commonly see someone wear in public. So I can understand maybe that catching someone's Good eye for a second. Yeah. Um, but he, there was a man who just full on like, yeah, felt, like stop, <laughs> like, like on the crosswalk, like uh -huh. his car was just not moving like zero miles per hour. He might as well had parked his car. Um, but he just kind of just like looked at us and then like cars started to kind of like pile up behind him because he was just stopped there. So then we were just like, he was staring at us. We, were and staring, then we didn't I know what I, to do. No, I think I actually verbally said out loud, do you want to take a picture because it lasts longer? And that wasn't the only man that did that either. It was like yeah. multiple people had kept stopping for like a second, like too long instead of, it was like longer than a glance. And it was just like, well, what, like, have you never seen a group of people get together? Like, it's just like, it's always been like a spectacle, even with my family. Like even I have a big family. So when we do get together, we do go out in public. There's always people staring at us. Like, we're so odd. Like, why are we all together? Like, why is there so many Asians in one group in this public place? You know what I mean? Like, we're like, it's just like, why do we have the spotlight on us? You know? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Just like talking about just like the physical aspect of it as well. Uh, I guess, yeah, just from my perspective, even like being Filipino, it's kind of like on the fringe to where you wouldn't guess right off the back that I'm Asian because of, you know, my skin tone where like Filipinos naturally they're a little more tan. So you wouldn't right off the bat say, oh, they must be Chinese or Japanese, or they would probably go more towards like a Pacific Islander, like Hawaiian, which is a very common one that I get all the time or Hispanic. And, and it's just because just like, even then it kind of adds another layer to just, I guess how that's impacted me as far as embracing the culture, because like being on the fringe of where I'm not, I wouldn't be identified like right off the bat as this I would be seen as that, or I would be, I wouldn't be categorized as Asian. I'd be categorized as Hispanic because I look closer to what a Hispanic would look like just because I'm a little more tan, my eyes may be a little round or more or bigger, you know, but just like, just like the physical aspect of it all. And something you said at the end out there is, it's really hitting me because you said like, why do we always have to be like the spotlight or a spectacle in a sense, because you know, I can recall so many times where, like, I have a big family as well. And, like, when I visit my um, my family in Chicago, like, we have, like, a group of, like, 15, 20 people going into a restaurant. And the minute you walk in, it's just, like, it, it would you would think that someone announced our presence in the building. And the minute it's, like, 
we have to be watched right when we step in until the moment we get out. I have a question. <laughs> Do you feel like, and it's because of what Taylor said that I'm going to ask the question. Do you feel like before coronavirus existed or became a pandemic, do you feel like people were unaware of the amount of hate the Asian community got? Or has it increased because of coronavirus? I definitely think that there's always been those microaggressions, whether it be in the school setting, professional setting, even like big industries, there's still microaggressions to this day. Like there's still costumes like with the kimonos and improper use of a kimono and proper use of a Chinese traditional dress, even improper use of our traditional dress, the aoyai. You know, it's always been a thing and there's always been like those stereotypes. Oh, all Asians know Kung Fu, all Asians do are good at math and blah, blah, blah. There's always been that, but it's never been taken to the point where physical things have been happening to people. And, you know, like it hasn't been taken to this degree, I don't, I personally haven't um, experienced that, but, you know, there may have been cases. Um, I'm sure there are cases out there that, you know, were here and there and, you know, people are just like, okay, well, whatever, you know, um, they're Asian, like, you know, they're, they have so much privilege in this, um, you know, in America. And that is true. We do have privilege um, compared to um, other people of color, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we get a pass for racism. Like we don't, we don't, accept the racism that we um, receive? Um, in my opinion, I think that um, this issue has always been ongoing, but the media has tricked a lot of us into thinking that this is something that has like all of a sudden they're, oh, like, you know, it's like a, a big deal. I feel like it's always been a big deal. It just hasn't ever had this much media coverage. Um, just because like, it, it wasn't just like, oh, like I just recently had experienced, you know, racism towards towards myself because I'm Asian. I just kind of grew up with that. But then going back to earlier in my childhood and my mom telling me like, you know, don't make a big deal of it, you know, just keep your head down, ignore them. Um, that also kind of aids into why a lot of us um, are thinking that this has just now become an issue. I think it's now that a lot of us from the from the younger generation have now grown up to realize that we can definitely say something. We can speak out. We can share our experiences. We can share our um, like our experience with other communities, and we can amplify the stories of other communities and share their voices as well. Um, but because like from even from like a young age, we were just kind of told not to really say anything. Kind of like just, just accept it. Just take that punch. Um, we just hadn't ever been in a position where we were comfortable enough to speak out against it, speak up um, until now. A lot of us, you know, like myself, Taylor, a lot of people from the Asian community have stepped forward and you know, have, have decided that they've been silent long enough. Yeah, and I definitely agree with Anna in saying that, you know, we were innately taught to just like, just like, shrug it off basically like I said like when people would make jokes about like my parents or whatever I'd kind of just like laugh but like you know it just it'd still be in the back of my mind but I just kind of like shrug it off and then like go on to the next thing like I never like verbally said to somebody like hey you shouldn't say that to me because this is racist or hey don't do this because blah blah you know I never I was I think I was scared subconsciously I think I was scared to say something because I wanted to fit in so badly especially in school when um I was like the only Asian or like one of 
two people or two Asian people in class, you know, that's definitely when it was like more prevalent for me. I just felt like I was so scared to say something because I didn't want to be like outcasted. I just kind of wanted to fit in and just be normal. Like I just didn't think that I was normal because they made me think that I was like, like a spectacle. Like I was somebody that just, they've never seen somebody like this before, you know? And I feel like it's like a lot of people, like from the outside perspective, they can't see it that same way because obviously they're not part of the Asian culture. They may know people, they may know things specifically about the culture, but until like it's personal for you or like you're in it specifically, it's kind of hard to like bridge that gap. And I guess referring to the question, I feel like it's, you know, it's always been an issue. I mean, you could think back to like, Pearl Harbor where there were Japanese internment camps and they interned people there just because you know they fit the bill of you know the people who were there looking for and even now like something I've been following that's like since before even COVID was just like Asian representation in like movies and in the media and like it's always been a thing where there wouldn't be enough Asian representation they would cast like typically you know white or non-Asian people to play an Asian character. And I can, like, there was a show that I used to watch. It was called Hawaii Five O, And, like, two of the main characters, they actually left the show because their two um, white co-stars were getting paid more, but significantly more than they were. And they asked to get paid the same, and they said no, and they left the show. And even if you think about, like, the the, Mul- the Mulan remake that, they, that came out recently, like, there was... You know, there was, I feel like there was a lot of high hopes for it because it was like the first live action Mulan remake. And like you would see a lot of Asian representation like on the screen. And you would see like the lead role, she was Asian. But then it came out like a lot of the crew behind the scenes, like the director, the screenwriters, and even like the costume designers, they weren't of Chinese descent. And it's like, how do you do a movie that focuses on a certain culture? but not have people who are in the culture write the script or direct it or better yet design the costumes. So it's like, it's stuff like that, that kind of, you know, grinds my gears in a sense, because, you know, it's, it's hard to see there it ever being enough just from like a, a representation standpoint. Cause I feel like it's so like ingrained in, you know, just the culture not just from an Asian American side, but just like culture as a whole of just representation. Like there's, we want it to be something. And then the minute there's an attempt, like it won't be enough. All right. So before we go back into our conversation with Anna, Taylor and Jason, um, uh, we just wanted to say that we have a quick sponsorship and our episode today is sponsored by Anchor. Um, It's a really easy way to make your own podcast and it's you know, it has offer, it offers tools for you to edit your own podcast straight from your phone or your computer. And it actually distributes your podcast in so many platforms such as Spotify and Apple podcasts and many more. And it's free too. So get started with Anchor today. All right. So thanks Anchor for sponsoring our episode today. And now we're going back into the conversation. Um, so actually like a little bit off air, we were having, we got like a really in-depth personal conversation, like, Um, about how people don't realize, you know, that Asians also struggled to build a foundation in the U.S. And if you guys don't mind, I'd like to bring in some of that conversation that we were having. But um, 
Anna and Taylor both mentioned that because of the oppression that their family members had to go through, they only know, like the furthest they know from their family is their grandparents. Like they, there is no records of, of anything and their parents have made up birthdays because that's what they had to do when they got here. And so um, my question is, why do you guys think that perhaps people are so ignorant to realizing that it's also hard for Asians to build a foundation here. It's not as easy as some people might think because, oh, well, you're Asian, you're smart, or you're Asian, you save money. That's something I've heard all the time. Oh, well, because they're Asian, they probably save a lot of money. You know, why do you guys think that people are so ignorant to that? So um, my, in my opinion, I think that ignorance comes from like kind of making assumptions on what you see. So for a lot of people who just, you know, have this idea that like Asian people are successful, um, they're just kind of basing that off of the like the small percent of um, Asian people who make it to the top of anywhere, whether it be in business, whether it be in the entertainment industry, such as music um, or in films, like they're just basing that kind of just off of the very few people that you see at the top. And then in regards to like, you know, like hearing about how like, oh, Asian people are um, really good about saving money. I just think that's kind of like, they're probably really good with money because they came here with nothing. (laughs) I think that's their flight or fight response. Because I think my mom has, I wouldn't say like she's a warder, but she does have like, she does get attached to like the things that she does buy. And I think it's because that Mm. she grew up without having, you know, like money to get things that she wanted like clothes or whatever it may be I just think that she now that she's older especially I've seen now looking back at it when I was younger I see that you know she's she's really like holding on to this because she's scared that I think that subconsciously she's scared of losing it again so she just wants to keep it keep everything Mm -hmm. just it doesn't even matter what it is like I I remember her collect like just keeping like my old school books or like whatever you know like she would never throw them out and I never understood why and then like looking back I'm just like wow like she's probably she's obviously she didn't have much growing up she's just scared to lose it all again she doesn't know when she's gonna you know may or may not lose it again you know that like, is just her fight or flight response and I think regarding to the question I think that people are so ignorant because you know we just don't we just don't talk about the oppression our parents went through because our parents don't talk about it to us like I'm I'm worried or I'm scared to ask my parents like even my grandma, like, even if we do bring up something like that, she just, like, immediately brushes it off, you know, like, I don't think she wants to reopen those wounds and live through that trauma again, and although I do get, you know, bits here and there from my family members, it's not quite accurate, because, you know, it's not coming from, like, her, and even my dad, like, he came here when he was 12, um, and with his other siblings escaping the war, but it's just, like, I don't have, like, the courage to ask him, like, what he went through to get here, like, I don't know how he got here. I know he got here by boat, but I don't know how long or like what happened. You know, I think, I just think that we just don't talk about enough because our parents don't want to like relive through that trauma. So then like, Anna, like me and Anna talked about earlier, it's kind of just like a mystery to us. Like we will, I mean, we possibly will never know what exactly specifically what our parents went through to get here. And that's okay. But I also think that it's important for us to try to have those conversations with some of our parents you know, not in just the Asian community, but every other community that has to migrate to America for a better life, you know, like there's plenty of countries that oppress their citizens, the government oppresses their citizens, they have to escape. 
but like we just don't talk about it enough because we just want to move on from that we just want to start our life here start fresh and start new so then they just kind of just leave it off to the side just like okay well here's my life in america i don't have to worry about that anymore i think that's what it is i thought you were gonna say something um no i get that i mean i i can't uh, i i mean i could say i don't think i've ever had those conversations either you know not even just with like my dad and how like coming here from the philippines was as a kid but also just like my grandparents even um because they were both born there and they had they were successful like my lola she was a nurse and my lolo he was a business owner and like he had an insurance company and i didn't find out like stuff about my lolo until after he passed away and it's like we miss out on these opportunities to not only just like educate ourselves on like literally where we come from but we miss out on the opportunity to like not only learn about these things from our family but also to be able to have those conversations with people who are just curious because like we've had questions come in about like people who are just curious about you know what can they do what how can what can they do to make it better what what's their role in this and i think when it kind of we we kind of have to take that ownership of like um like i have this duty to you know educate people not not on my behalf but just to put them in a position to where they don't have to assume something just because they don't want to be faced with you know the fear of being wrong or what they've known for so long is not right because i think a lot of you know racism regardless of who it is against a lot of it's like learned behavior like it stems with like how we were raised how we were brought up and it may be hard to break those chains of you know racism especially if it's been taught to you for so long but if it's something that you truly want you know you make time for those kinds of things but it starts with having those conversations like like this what we're doing right now like people are going to hear this and people in other countries are going to hear your words they're going to hear my words they're going to hear april's words and then they're going to start to think about you know maybe i'm going about this the wrong way maybe i have to start being more open and inclusive instead of just assuming that they're you know they're chinese or they're filipino instead of assuming they can have you know an honest educated conversation about you know tell me tell me about you like where are you from like what's your history what is you know what's your culture I'm, I'm curious to learn but you know i think i think kind of starts with us like if we're not you know giving people the opportunity to have those conversations and educate them like i'm guilty of that too it's just like i know people like friends that i've had for so long that you know they know i'm filipino they never ask about it and that's okay but it doesn't excuse the fact that i can still you know you ever wonder like things about my culture that I can explain to you? Just like having those conversations. I think also picking back off of that, I think it's important for us as we get older, we should defend our parents and our ancestors' choice in wanting to come to America and wanting to have a better life for the future generations. Because I don't think that I've really done that enough. You know, like people ask like, oh, like, how'd your dad get here? I'm like, oh, well, he got here on a boat. Like, that's all I know. But like, I don't defend the fact that, you know, like the struggles that he went through young as a young child and same with my mother, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily defend and speak on their struggles. Although I don't know specifically, I can attest to say like, well, you know, my mom did this, this, and this to get here. Like this wasn't easy for her. And my dad did this, this, and this, and his family did that. You know, I think you're right. Like we do have to speak up and we do have to educate people. And I think that also, like we also have to incorporate our parents 
experiences into this because it's not our just our own you know it it starts with our parents our parents are the reason why we are here in America you know right I really appreciate you guys opening my my eyes to a lot of stuff that I perhaps wasn't as aware of I've soaked a lot of it up and I really hope that many of the people who listen to this can feel the same way because our purpose of having these uncomfortable conversations and asking these uncomfortable questions are to educate people, you know, so that future generations don't have to deal with what perhaps other people have dealt with because of not being properly educated on certain subjects. And, you know, um, when we do our post for our podcast, we're going to mention the eight victims that were killed in Atlanta. And I was reading an article about it and it's, it's very sad because a lot of these people were business owners and the article had like their children's names and like one of them one of the women she left like a nine-month-year-old you know and one of them was on a date with her husband and why were they killed because somebody who was so ignorant thought that that was the right thing to do for what reasons I don't know and it's horrible and you know I wish that I could say it's the last time it's going to happen but then you have like video footage of an elderly Asian man who was shoved and like I read his injuries and they were bad I work in the ER those injuries for an elderly man are injuries he might not ever recover from and why because well you're Asian and it's your fault we have the coronavirus well no and I think it's horrible and I wish that people would just understand and want to become educated and I think that's just our main reason for having this podcast and I really appreciate um, all three of you being open and being transparent with, with me and with the rest of our listeners. Oh, so I just wanted to say thank you to, uh, you, April and Jason for allowing us, um, the opportunity to come in here and share a little bit about our experience and share, you know, as much as we know about our heritage and our ancestors, um, this, this was really a really great opportunity. Like you said, um, I feel like if someone is willing to unlearn the uh, behaviors that they were taught, like someone coming forward and openly admitting, like, I was, you know, I have been racist in the past. Um, This is because of the environment that I grew up with, but I am willing to learn. I am willing to um, become more open-minded, become more aware. Like, that's a very commendable, um, you know, that's a very commendable thing, you know, to be able to say that and then um, be willing to learn more, be willing to um, right your your personal wrongs and change the way that you look upon things like that's a very very great thing to do yeah I also want to say thank you because actually like I never really formally like laid out all you know my experiences and then looked back on it and reflected on it and this gave me the chance to do that and it really did like make me realize a lot more things than I thought and I do hope that you know the people out there listening like if you, you know, you do see the news and you see, you know, elderly people getting attacked and stuff, it's, you know, don't think about, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just, like, it's not even the elderly person you have to worry about. It's about the other people in their family because, you know, there's a constant fear that I have every day that my grandma is going to get attacked or hurt in some way because she, you know, likes to do things on her own. It's not, it's not something that just is, like, I brush off. It's, like, something that I constantly think about every day, like, my parents always, you know, it's always something that's on the back of my mind. And, you know, I hope people can understand that it's not just something that happening to that person. It's affecting everybody behind them too. 
well, I guess my last little tidbit would just be, you know, if you're listening to this and you're starting to question, you know, like things you've said to people in the Asian community up to this point, you know, have those conversations, you know, if you're curious, then just ask. And it's once you get past that initial stage of awkwardness, I guarantee you, I'll tell you, I'm sure anyone would tell you about their culture or their heritage. You just ask. And it's simple. If you initiate the conversation and that's the thing about questions, they provide access. And the minute you have this posture of wanting to learn about something, then people who are, who know about it and they can speak to it, they'll tell you. So that's just my last thing of, I don't know, encouragement, I guess, just to be, you know, just to be open to having those conversations. Right. And I really do appreciate all of you wanting to talk about it. I know it's sometimes hard to talk about it because you don't know who's going to listen to this podcast and, you know, and if they listen to it, so what, you know, like, I just honestly, our goal is for people to be educated. And, you know, I, I hope that in a month from now, people don't forget about the Asian movement. I hope that people can remember those eight women who were killed in Atlanta and can remember it as like, because they were killed, let's, let's make it to where eight other families won't have to suffer in the future. Cause like when Taylor said that, like, that's when I, you know, these people left their families behind, you know, like, and unfortunately they passed, but now the people who have to suffer for that passing are their family members. And it was a very violent death and it was horrible. And so, you know, the listeners who listen to this, you guys know that we strive to make, you know, make us more accessible to have, like, if you want to be open about stuff and you guys can reach out to us whenever you want to. Um, and I really do appreciate everyone who listens to this and learns something, even if it's something very small that you can begin to apply to your daily life. I think that's what important, what's important. If you can unlearn behaviors that aren't correct and that you've heard from people who have experienced those behaviors, just, you know, take a step back and question, am I doing the right thing? Am I expressing myself the right way? Am I going to offend somebody when I say something to them? You know, sometimes it's hard to speak up for other people, but speak for people who aren't comfortable using their own voice, you know, like do it, like it's hard, but just do it. And so um, wherever you are, good morning, good afternoon. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. And this has been another episode of La Charla with April and Jason. Mm-hmm.